Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland. Let's meet today's hosts. And welcome into the Guns Up Nation podcast. I'm your host, Keith Donaghy, joined today by Nico Sanchez of the Day of the Torador and Guns Up Nation. He's the beat writer for Texas Tech Baseball. He's going to keep us the most informed we can be. We got some stuff to break down since the last time we were on this podcast. Um, we'll get to some of the stuff real quick before we get into our bracket, which just got released today. So first off, in the Big 12 tournament, we obviously bat out a little bit earlier than we would like, which is relatively normal for us. We won a game against Baylor, then dropped one to, I believe, K-State and TCU. Um, Nico, does this mean anything for us? I mean, Big 12 tournament, we've lost it basically every year of the past five years pretty early on. So I'd assume it's nothing too important. Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly it didn't matter too much. We still cracked the top eight. Um, it was Tim, uh, Coach Tadlock said something about that uh, after that second loss to K State, which was going forward, you just got to hope the voters look at our body of work and not what happened this weekend. And uh, it looks like that was the case. I mean, top eight, um, we did have 30 plus wins, obviously. Um, that's hard to do, it just is. So, I, I wouldn't say I expected to be a top eight after the after the, how the Big 12 tournament shook up because not only did we underperform, but TCU was excellent and it showed as well. They're top eight as well. They're number six. We're uh, we're actually third in the in the Big 12 in the top yeah. eight. We got Texas number two, TCU number six, and then uh, Texas Tech at number eight. Yeah, you look at the bids by conference, and there's some conferences like CUSA who got four, uh, Pac-12 got like nine, SEC got like nine. And you think about it, then you're like, man, the Big 12 really wasn't that good in baseball this year until you look at where three of the four Big 12 seeds are. I mean, we have three national seeds in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. top heavy, I guess. But, and, uh, yeah, one one more thing I wanted to add on that was when this top eight seed came out, this, this is the first time I've ever felt like Texas Tech was given more than they deserved by the media. Um. And I'm I'm not gonna say necessarily more than, but I I feel like this is the first time we weren't Texas Tech as a school, not just baseball, but as a school in general. This was the first time we weren't. Um, I guess I guess we were overvalued more than, I think, like like oh, in, the past, I, uh, in the past, like most Tech fans, like oh you'll be like yeah we should we should probably be around a ten seed. This is the first time I felt like we've been given the benefit of the and given a better spot than we really deserved over these past few weeks or earned, I guess I should say. Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of Red Raider fans are going to feel a little bit blessed to be in this top eight. But uh, I, I said it last weekend, and it's it's the truth, which is a lot of the time, if you've got three guys and you're not sure, the tie's going to go to the one that's been there before, or the one that's better coached, or that they feel like is better coached. And even though, like you said before, we've had some tough we've had some tough outs lately in the Big Twelve championship, we've played well in the college baseball world or in the uh, Big in the college baseball tournament playoff yeah yeah playoff that's they we've been there a lot of the time a, a lot lately and we've played well and so i i would imagine that with a lot of this the tie wound up going to us which you know you got to be good and you got to be lucky that's yeah that's playoffs i never thought i would see a day where i legitimately thought that i that notre dame got snubbed and texas tech got favored mm-hmm. by the media and Honestly, I'm not going to feel bad for Notre Dame. If this was football, that wouldn't have happened. So. Yeah, I, I'm not going to feel bad for Notre Dame. In football every year, they go play some overrated Big Ten school, beat them, play a bunch of nobodies, and get put in the top four and then get dominated by an actual playoff team. So I'm not going to feel too bad for Notre Dame getting stumped on the baseball side. Yeah. 
No, there's there's no feeling bad in the play- at this point of the year. There's no feeling bad. Just take your take what you can get. If it's a little bit lucky, it is. I mean, again, that's playoffs. You got to be good. and You got to be lucky. So, if I gave you the list of our injuries that we or players we'd be without come College World Series time or come playoff time, where would you think we would have been ranked if I would have just given you that list? If if you would have told me that if you would have told me, and, if you would have yeah. told me in. December, or I don't know if Dobbins was hurt by then, but you had told me in December that we were, we were going to not have Dobbins, you're going to not have Brutkowski, we were going to not have uh, Birdsell for the last half of the year, including the playoffs, we were going to have Noisy for the last half of the year, including the playoffs, and we'd spend a good month or month and a half without Kerr Wilson, I would have said, boy, I hope we make the tournament. I mean, that's, at least on paper, that feels like a whole lot. And I mean, a lot of slack. I mean, a lot of this year was also surprising. Like, again, if you had told me before the year that Noisy was going to be out, I would have been terrified because Noisy was the guy who was getting penciled in for all our awards. I think he was the preseason player of the year, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Nobody expected Jace Young to Jace start knocking Jones. the cover out of the ball or and Cal Conley and D- Drew Baker to do what they do. Nobody was expecting Patrick Monteverde to come into the Big 12 and be this efficient for this long. And uh, I'll, I'll get into Mount Verde a little bit more later, but uh, it's, it's impressive. It's impressive to see how far this team has come uh, given their, their bad luck. What is Rombach's role in the postseason now with his recent success? I would be surprised if we didn't see a lot of them at this point. What position? Uh, Probably uh, <laughs> DH first base. I yeah. mean, it's, he, yeah, they're interchangeable. Him and uh, Cole Stillwell, and he can play catcher too yep. if they, if they want to get um, Fulford some rest. You know, it's it's tiring, man. It's tiring back there, especially in the playoffs. Being the catcher is like being the quarterback. You oversee everything. Yeah, I think me and you both at the beginning of this season were really excited for Ron back. Obviously, it didn't turn out quite how we expected. Yeah, and, and that's why um, that's why I mentioned to you when we were talking about guys who underperformed this season or that we felt like underperformed. Uh, even though Rombach did technically underperform, I still felt confident about his abilities going forward. Like, I, if you would have told me before the Big 12 tournament started that he was going to be starting in all the games, I would have been fine with that. I would not have been like, ooh, uh, are you sure? Nate Rombach is batting at... No, I, I still felt confident in his ability to, to get a big hit. And that's why I mentioned other guys. Yeah, and with all these injuries, I mean, it just makes the lifetime contract that Coach Tadlock recently received all mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. I mean... It show, he's showing that we are going to be a powerhouse in baseball for a long time. I and mean, what is it, five straight? We're the only school to host a regional for the last five, five three years. Yeah. And how long has Tadlock been here around? He's been what? He's been here uh, – let me, let me look was, at it. Was it 13 or 14? When was that? I'm not sure exactly what year he got hired, but, man, we have been a baseball powerhouse. Nine, he's been here for nine years. Nine years, yeah. I had that written down. I just couldn't find it. But, uh, yeah, it's – it's a, a little under. I was I was afraid. I mean, look, I remember in February when we first started, or March, I believe, February or March, whenever Texas, Texas got eliminated, hearing rumblings that they were interested in Chris Beard. And I, like all the other Tech fans, chuckled, like, <laughs> Chris Beard leaving Texas Tech, impossible. Then I remember uh, doing a little deep dive into that, and I saw that he, uh, he, was, he was from, he was a from, I don't know that he's from Austin, but he, he went to UT. And I was like, hmm little concerning but still I mean we've just played so well I mean we've all the things we've done with him all the things he said and uh there he went yeah. so uh 
And then it looked, I mean, it didn't look, but the groundwork was laid for a similar scenario. I mean, Texas A&M, they uh, part ways with Rob Childress, who's been there for a ton of years. And uh, they're interested in Tim Tadlock. And I, it made me more worried than I would have been had Chris Beard not had, had, have left this past spring. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, kudos to Kirby Hocutt and the, uh, the Texas Tech Athletics Department. They, they shut that down real quick. Yeah, you got yeah, you got to wonder how much that was on Kirby's mind that if he loses another great coach to a in conference, not in conference with AM, but basically a, a huge rival that that, that yeah, would I not mean, have spelled well for him. I but, give him, I give him credit where credit is due. You know, oh, he, he, he understood the stage is what I'll say. He he understood the uh, the gravity of the situation and acted appropriately. Yeah, and one thing I do want to point out here is coming up with football season and. I'm not going to say I, – I, I will never call for anybody's job, but I don't think that Matt Wells is the Texas Tech head football coach come the end of this year. Um, mm-hmm. I just like by, You mean by game 10 it'll be somebody else or um, – No, by, by, by the end of this – by, by the end of football season. Like mm-hmm. once football season ends, I, I don't think he'll be here anymore. And By 2022 or – Yeah, and that's not to say he's not a good coach. I mean, we just didn't have great players. A lot of injuries at quarterback over the years, COVID – it's hard to build a program, and I feel like a lot of the fans and especially a lot of the donors for Tech have lost support for Matt Wells. I don't know that a lot of donors really supported him to begin with. I actually liked the hire. I didn't like some of the coaching hires he brought in with him. Um, but anyways, back to baseball. Um, Kirby has done a phenomenal job with every sport, basically, except for football, which kind of mm-hmm. sucks money-wise, but it, it's nice to be a hey. – well, it's if nice you're, like me, if you're like me, whose vice is basketball and baseball, then it's it's something you can look at. I mean, dude, basketball, baseball, golf, track, mm-hmm. we are killing it in everything. Our track teams, we have a few people going to nationals. Our golf team is currently playing in the uh, – they made the 15 cut today. So they're yeah, going to be – uh, And uh, just another thing, Here, here's here's some numbers for Tim Tadlock in terms of, uh, of what he's done at Tech. Tech for, he's been at Tech for nine years again. In that time, he's got a 336 to 165 win-loss record. They have reached the College World Series in four out of those seasons, and they've won the Big 12 regular season title in three of them. And he was Big 12 Coach of the Year. He's been Coach of the Year for a ton of other organizations as well. I mean, he's, he's really as good as it gets. I mean, it's hard to find a coach better than, than Coach Sadlock in this, in this league. And the, and the same could be said for Coach Beard, by the way. And that's why that was – that's why that, that um, situation was so upsetting. Yeah, but, of course, we all know, you know, Mark Adams is the real deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, yeah. the real guy behind all the defense. I, I, hey, I'll say this. I was devastated. I was, I was just like the rest of the Red Raider, Red Raider uh, faithful when I, I heard that news that Chris Beard was gone. I was, I was broken hearted. I couldn't – I was shell-shocked. Yeah, I think I think one thing saved a lot of us was all the former players reaching out saying that, yeah, Mark Adams was the guy that built the defense that made Texas Tech what they are and that he was going to bring in something other than the motion offense. So I think um, I- I'll save this for Zach and whoever, all the other basketball guys out there. I mean, uh, I have a million, million opinions on, on Mark Adams in that whole situation, but uh, this is for baseball. It's a baseball podcast, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, a so lot of us. Let's let's get into our regional. So regionals got announced about an hour ago from the time mm-hmm. we're recording this podcast. And Texas Tech got the regional and surprisingly got a top eight seed, which means that if we win our regional, we will host a super regional in Lubbock. Good mm-hmm. news for Tech fans. More baseball in Lubbock this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our bracket, we got Army West Point. And I believe our, our first game is uh, UCLA. Or no, or, uh, is, is I believe our first, our first game is Army. Army but yeah, we have Army, I think, Friday morning. I believe we have Army in our first game. But yeah, the bracket is – or our regional bracket, that is. It's uh, ourselves is number one, of course. UCLA yep. number two, uh, North Carolina is three, and then Army at four. I believe we open with Army at four. And um, already it's been, what, an hour, an hour and a half maybe since this uh, info was shared with us. And uh, already I've seen a lot of people worried about UCLA. Yeah, U- UCLA is obviously the two seed. I mean, we're the number eight team in the nation. We're going to have a tough two seed in our bracket. Um, kind of hope it wasn't somebody that has a history of doing well in baseball, but <laughs> you, you know how it goes. Yeah, that's how does our bracket compare to the ones we've had in past years? Maybe. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is as good a number two seed as we face in the regional in, in some time. I, uh, I'd have to look deeper into it to really confirm that, but it's on the surface. It's, it intimid- it's intimidating. It really is. This UCLA team was one that I really liked this year, 35 and 18. Um, not a lot of power in that lineup is interesting, though. They, um, I think they had one or two guys in double-digit home runs, something like that. Um, and it makes me think about um, TCU. Because I remember saying, I don't know if I said it on this podcast in particular, but I remember saying somewhere that TCU concerns me because they're a contact-hitting team. And that's the worst possible matchup for Patrick Monteverde, who is our, for a lack of a better, our ace pretty much. He's our most established starter. And um, that's, that's what this team does. I mean, they, they kill you with their doubles and singles and the worst, the worst thing that can happen for a guy like Monteverde, who's all touch and finesse is to get base runners on. And that's what this UCLA team does. Now how that will match up against our other guys will is yet to be seen, but um, it, it did, hit my eye when I first saw this like ooh UCLA that's a uh, that's gonna be a tough one so one thing that was concerning for me watching the um big 12 tournament what happened to our defense man our our infield defense seemed to just collapse almost at times yeah it I mean, seemed they, like they uh, really hurt our pitching yeah they just a lot of that has to do with um I think just momentum and how the game was swinging a lot of those errors were or just bop plays were just um, at times where we were already looking down, look, or just trying to come back. We were already uh, in a hole at that point in time. There were already guys on base a lot of the time. I mean, it's, it was, it was tough. It really was. Um, Cal Conley had one, um, I believe in that second game that really, um, really hurt. And I think it caught, yeah, yeah. Cal Conley had that um, error that cost us a couple of runs in the, uh, I want to say it was the fourth inning of the TCU game. And uh, cause that's, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at uh, Monteverdi's numbers and at, on, at, at first glance, it's like, eh, not that, that great, but only two of his runs were earned because in that fourth inning, those two runs were scored were unearned because Cal Conley mm-hmm. had that error. But um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was disappointing. Obviously. I mean, it's no, there's no sugarcoating it there, but uh, at the same time, we've commended this team in the past for its ability to 
forget and move on and it's resilience. So I'm, I'm going to keep feeling that way. I'm going to keep feeling that they can, uh, they can turn this around. Yeah. I, I almost wish we would have gotten the uh, nine seed bracket just because that, I mean, it seems like that bracket is a lot weaker than ours. If you look at it, that that's the bracket we'll be matched up with. So we'll play one of those four schools in the super regional. Yeah, correct? That, um, the nine bracket yeah. is uh, Stanford, Stanford, North Dakota State, State yeah. Nevada and uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, and it seems like Stanford's the the very clear favorite in that bracket. Yeah, who a lot of people are cool with. I I mean, I I think I think Stanford's good. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's just kind of how you look at it. You'd rather face again. I'm gonna have to go with the basketball reference. You'd rather face the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers when you're looking at the the bottom of some of these seeds. But still, if you make the playoffs, you're dangerous. That's that's the truth. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's see. Farther on, we got. Do we have dates out for these games yet? So our game will be 11 a.m. on ESPNU on Friday, and that will be in Lubbock at Dan Law Field, of course. Which I believe tickets go on sale tomorrow morning. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be there. I mean, oh, I, yeah, I will most definitely be there for students. Also, I, I heard that they're giving out a, a allotment of student tickets around 300. So if you're in Lubbock, uh, show up, but make sure you don't show up before me because, of course, I need a ticket. Uh, <laughs> I think Nico can agree with that too. So, oh, yeah. so show, show, show about 20 minutes before game time. We'll get there about an hour and a half before. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Y'all, don't worry. I'm sure there'll be some I, I'm left. not, I'm not worried for, it's like, uh, it's like, it's just like this. It's the same as being a Knicks fan. I am not at all worried about how our fans are going to pack the house. Not at all. All right. So let's get into some awards for Texas tech baseball. We had some pretty big ones. Uh, Nico, do you want to kind of break down the biggest ones and some of the watch lists we're on as well? I know Jace Young won Big 12 Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about these awards, that's the first one we got to go to. I mean, it just it just is. When you have a guy win MVP, you got to talk about it. You just do. Uh, Jace Young, I mean, we've, we've talked about it before, and everybody who follows the Red Raiders baseball team has talked about it. I mean, his season has been insane. Just insane. I mean, it's it's hard to under it's hard to overstate how impressive he's really been. I mean, yeah. To give you an idea, just, the mm-hmm. Guns Up Nation also released our own superlatives for the Texas Tech team themselves, and Jace Young was the hitter of the year for the Texas Tech team, obviously. And I actually mm-hmm. had to write up that article, and in it, there's three guys on Texas Tech's roster that had an OPS above a thousand when I wrote the article, and that was sometime between the end of the season, the Big Twelve tournament. It would have been and within I, the last week. Yeah, and I and I wrote that. This was not an easy award to win. Hitter of the year for Texas Tech was nowhere near an easy award to award to win. But with that being said, it was an easy award to pick the winner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's again the shoot just how well he performed, and it's when you look at it, it's there's just not a single thing he did poorly. I mean, he got on base a ton. He hit, he hit, he hit for power. He drove runners in. He hit at a high percentage. I mean, at the time, at the time that he was named the player of the year, his batting line was 366, 496, and then 766. This, it's impressive. And when you look at these other guys, like you said before, Baker and Conley were also excellent. I mean, Baker batted 373 at the time that the awards were announced, or was batting 373. Yeah, it's it's impressive. Conley had 68 hits. I mean, even if you take away every single hit Jace Young had this year, his on base percentage is still around like 220 or something based off just walks alone. 
I mean, it is insane. Yeah, it's how- it's just his presence. His presence in the lineup is just so dangerous. Having 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 a guy like that, that you're terrified that he's going to take you deep, and at the same time, he could also, if need be, he also beat you for a single and just get a couple of runs across. I mean, he's he's ter- he's terrifying. Yeah, I think a great player comp for him, and of course. The, the biggest thing when you make these player comps to pro players is everybody's like, oh, well, he's not as good as – well, yeah, of course he's not as good as him. It's a, co- it's a comparison. No, no college player right, is going to be compared to Don't need to get me started on, on the whole people mad at Anyways, player comparison. But I, I, I think I would compare him to that of a Carlos Correa, a guy who's going to bring the energy to your team one. He's going to bring power. He's going to bring defense. And he has speed occasionally. He's not going to be the fastest guy, but he has speed to beat out some infield hits maybe if they're in the right spots. But it, it's going to yeah. be your spark plug. He is the I don't guy. know if – uh, um, I don't know how uh, how many people listening to this are are uh, have been to too many Red Raider baseball games, but let me tell you, watching Jace Young run the bases is fun. It is just it's almost as much fun as watching him hit. That that he is such an entertaining guy. Just as you said, he's a spark plug. He loves the game. He loves the team. Loves loves being a Red Raider. It's it, he he's exciting to watch. He's an easy guy to root for. Um, as far as comparisons i don't know that i would say correa because although they're similar i just when i when i think about carlos correa i think of a guy who's a real real slick fielder and uh jace can have those miscues yeah no i'm not not saying that jace young is a bad fielder do do not miss don't no 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 get me wrong but i carlos correa i just think is on on his own class. When I'm thinking of comps, I'd, I'd give him more of a – I mean, when we're, when we're playing comps, I'm not saying he is this guy, but he makes me think of Josh Donaldson in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I can see that. Just just in terms of, of uh, how he plays the game and uh, and uh, just a, a, a guy who can hit for power, but also he just he, – he's – he does it all, man. He does he, it all. In the he, he also plays with enough cockiness to get under the other team's skin, which is always mm-hmm. fun as well. I mean, as long as you're not on the other team. But there's, I'll say this, and this is this is goes for the whole team, not just Jace Young. There is no shortage of confidence there, none. That that team believes in itself as much, if not more so, than anybody else out there. Yeah, it's going to be hopefully, hopefully, a very fun postseason for the Red Raiders. Hopefully a long postseason. Yeah, ho- ho- hopefully I'll be in Omaha, Nebraska towards the end of June. And I, yeah. I, I guarantee you, if we make that final three-game series, I'll be there for every single game. <laughs> I, I will yeah, I'm, I'm excited. There. Can't wait. And uh, other awards. Um, sorry, I just had it here. Um, where was it? Yeah, um, so we had three first-team, all-big 12. Um this might not shock anybody because we keep saying their names. Conley, Baker, Young. Um, so basically our middle infield and our left fielder were all Big 12 first team, which if for anybody who doesn't know baseball, to have your entire middle infield on the first team all league or conference, it's impressive. It's hard. The middle infield is pretty important. And to have both of them on there, it's, it's exciting. Um, second team, Braxton Fulford catcher, Micah Dallas. I was a little bit surprised that Micah Dallas was second team ahead of, um, Monteverde and, uh, ahead of Monteverde, who was an honorable mention. Little, little bit surprised, not shocked, but a little bit surprised. 
Uh, no third teamers. And then again, Monteverde was a honorable mention and Ryan Sublet, who was our most, by far our most stable bullpen arm was a uh, honorable mention as well. And one thing I do want to mention that might make Red Raider fans feel a little bit better about this is we basically cost Baylor their chance of being in the tournament. Um, they were mm. the first team out, not, not even in the first four, they were the first team out. And that loss in the Big 12 tournament to us where we absolutely dominated them had to have uh, played into that quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, look, and, and this is something that I, I wanted to make clear to a lot of people, which is going into the Big 12 championship was, look, regular, when you get to the playoffs, your regular season record does not matter at all. I mean, the, the Knicks swept the Hawks in the regular season, and I'm watching them get beat every night by 20 points right now. So these, how they play at the regular season is not at all the same. The fact that we lost to Baylor was unfortunate, but did it mean that I was, I was, I thought we couldn't win this game? Of course not. And the same thing happened then uh, uh, a couple of days later. We got beat by two teams who we beat in the regular season. These these things just they're out the window. It's all matchup and how they're how how they were playing that day and just how your team is swinging. Yeah. So let, let let's look a little farther ahead. Let let's play a little game of uh, what ifs here. So let's say we beat Stanford in that super regional round. We, uh, we, we, we'd be reseeded at that point, right? They reseed for the College World Series itself? Yes, I believe, I believe so. Um, okay. So we can't go too far here, I guess. That being, that being said, we would be a lower seed. Yeah, we were the eighth seed already. So yeah. unless we start beating people by 10 runs a game, which isn't going to happen. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't expect us to be uh, – don't expect us to be a – a high, a much higher seed than we already were. Yeah, hey, you know, in comparison, uh, in comparison to the other guys, it'll or they could, will make the um college world series. You know, a certain Texas baseball school that uh didn't make the uh, college world series this year. Uh, would you be referring to Baylor? Oh, an, another one, not not Big Twelve. Oh, not Big Twelve. U of H. No, no, not U of H. Hit me. Texas A and M Aggies. Mm, that's right. I wasn't even thinking about them. <laughs> wasn't even thinking about them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, honestly, that didn't surprise me too much. <laughs> you know, SEC, SEC, baby. Nine really, made it and you weren't one of them. <laughs> part, 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 of, part of the problem was that. I mean, the SEC, I mean, we talked about how the Big 12, you know, we didn't have a lot of volume. We only had four schools make it, which isn't a few, but at the same time, it's yeah. Almost I mean, half the SEC, Big Twelve made the it. SEC, I mean, SEC had was it nine? Was it nine SEC schools that made it? I believe so. It was either yeah, eight or so, nine. I know it was one of those. So numbers. the gap between one and two was pretty wide. My my point, and th- I mean the SEC is stacked. I mean Arkansas. Yeah, I think like, I think the Pac twelve had quite a few too. I think that yeah, at this point you have to treat Arkansas like the favorite. You just do. Uh, oh. Vanderbilt's pretty good. Vanderbilt probably has the most well-known name in college baseball right now in um, Jack Ladder, who if anybody didn't know, I don't know how you couldn't, but if anybody doesn't know, that's the son of Al Ladder, who was pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I, I, I'd say. <laughs> in the MLB, pretty all right. Um, Ole Miss is in there. Uh, Florida's in there. Mississippi State is in there. They're, they're talented, real, real talented. Yeah, it's, it's going to be – a heck of a college baseball world series and it's going to be nice to have fans back it's 
It's going to be great oh, to yeah. see Dan Law at 100%. I hope we get those it's, outfield bleachers back like we always do for the It's been great. And um, I keep making basketball references. Uh, playoffs <laughs> are going on. That's why. <laughs> yeah, sorry, of course. But, of um, course, yeah. But the NBA, it's, it's interesting because the NBA it was the first major league organization to shut down. I was watching a Nick game. I was watching, ironically enough, I was watching the Knicks versus the Hawks when I got the notification on my phone that Rudy Gobert is sick. And then about five minutes later, I got the notification that every single game in the West Coast has been shut down. And then the next then, morning, we were waiting for the Big the 12 next, tournament. I was driving to day, uh, The world gets shut down. And then a couple yep. of days later, I left for spring break, and I never came back. And uh, here we are. And it feels like the NBA is the first organization to really open things back up in mass. I mean, the playoffs are going on right now, and a lot of these stadiums are two-thirds capacity, which feels insane. I, I, be, I keep watching these playoff games and there's people sitting next to each other and I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, um, and, and another part of that was, was uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, Arlington is already open 100%. The, and I, Minute Maid's going to open 100% by oh, the end of the year. You want to talk about a playoff atmosphere. When the Dodgers came to Houston about a week ago, mm-hmm. I, I watched both those games on TV and, man, I've never seen something so close to a playoff atmosphere in regular season. Just the – animosity between those teams and then they're playing with a full crowd now finally and or yeah, it's, um, full crowd and we you were talking about it. it's weird seeing people sit next to each other man did you attend any uh tech basketball games this year i'm sure you did i did yes a uh, few <laughs> i mean i'm i'm not gonna say anything for sure but i'm i'm not 100 percent sure we were uh, completely complying with uh the ncaa no, no, the I, I, uh, guidelines for... i can neither confirm nor deny how well those rules were being followed I mean, but I, I mean, all uh, I'm saying is the uh, the seats that had the little "Please do not sit here" stickers were uh, they they peel off just as easy as they were put on. I'm assuming. <laughs> I would imagine so, but uh, it's it's something that you kind of didn't notice till it was gone. I mean, I remember you know everybody was watching the bubble in the NBA and the MLB stadiums that were completely silent. Like it felt like um, I don't know if you remember. It felt like a Marlins game. I mean. What? <laughs> I was I was thinking about the uh, the Orioles when they had to play in an empty stadium because of the riots going on in Baltimore yep. uh, a lot of years ago. That's what it made me feel like. But um, I remember the first opening day. I was watching the Padres and the I think it was the Padres and the Dodgers on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. And the first pitch was a strike, and the, immediately the, all the fans in the stadium reacted. And I it, I, I I just kind of like like looked up from my phone. I was like, whoa. Uh, oh, that's right. There's fans. There's people here again. It's not just generic 2K crowd noise. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that really helps the schools like Tech who do have a lot of fan support at home games. I mean, I, I don't know how much it affects players, um, I guess, at home. But I know heckling's a big deal in college baseball, especially. Oh, oh it matters. Yeah. Be, being home matters. I mean, and, and that goes for all sports well, at any level. Well, yeah, I, I, was, I was just saying more of the uh, the home field advantage is, is definitely big. But I, I feel like it's more of a disadvantage to be playing away than it is an advantage to be playing home, if you catch my drift. Um, I, I, I would say – Yeah, I, would say I, 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 can, I can see how there's how – I can – yeah, I, I see that. Um. I don't know that I agree 100%. I mean, playing at home is a pretty big advantage for a lot of teams. Now, in college, it is a little bit different in the sense that not every – like, again, I'm going to have to go with basketball comparison. <laughs> playing at Madison Square Garden in front of Knicks fans as a Nick is 
a whole lot or as an opponent is a whole lot different than going to play in Memphis as an opponent in the playoffs. It's just not the same. It's so these sports, they're not always the same for everybody, but in college, it's a little bit different because in college it's a lot harder to find a quiet fan base or a fan base that's not into it. Everybody's yeah, I mean, into it in college. They, yeah. The, the only, I mean, basketball fan base that when you have a good team that I know is not into it is usually UT. I mean, we played them a few years ago. We yeah. were both ranked and their stadium was empty 10 minutes before tip off. And that was before COVID too. <laughs> yeah, that's, one of, that's one of the big reasons why, um, why Red Raider fans were so surprised that he left because surprised, but yeah, the basketball is not there. basketball is just such a tradition. It's become such a tradition here in a way that it just isn't over there, and probably will never be. And it's not, a t- and it's, that's not um, a knock against Coach Beard or that staff or anybody over there. It's just their football is so good. <laughs> it's I'm, not a I'm, bad thing. I mean, it's just that's that will always reign supreme. Reign supreme there. It just will. I don't know how, how great the football is there right now. I mean, they've been – I'm not saying it's the most consistent yeah. program that's ever well, I mean, they're, they're, served, but. Remember, they, they are back every year. I mean, according to Twitter, their Twitter fans. Oh, they're, they're back every – They're back every year. six years. Yeah, well, like every year, it's it's their year. They're, Texas is back. Remember San Alonso saying that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, I remember being in – I was, I was in New York. I was at a – I was at a New York Giant Dallas Cowboy game in, at MedLife Stadium, and that night I came home and I watched them beat. I want to say they beat OU in that game, or whoever it was. And uh, we're back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Prior to getting stomped in the next season. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I thought they were. I I was shocked when they came out the next year and underperformed, and then last year Texas Tech came as close to beating them as a team could possibly come to beating an opponent without actually beating them. So. All right. So I asked you this about a week and a half ago and we had to wait for well, You told me we had to wait for the brackets to come out. The brackets. Ooh, came is, this, out. is this predictions? Where's Texas tech finish this year? <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to land in a similar spot as I did last week, which is with, when you have a team as talented as this red Raider team, you have to be shooting for the shooting for the stars. You have to be expect playing and expecting to win. That being said, I think they'll make the college baseball world series. That's my hottest take. This is hot as take as you're going to get from me. I think they're going to make the college world series. And I think they're going to make a little bit of noise. Now, where does that, where do they actually fall? Tricky, but I, I think, this team is more dangerous than let on. And I think that you mentioned earlier that it's, you felt like Texas Tech got a, the benefit of the doubt in a way that Texas Tech usually doesn't. I think, I think, I think they deserve to be number eight. They're as talented as anyone in these teams. And I mean, I said, again, I said it last week, when you, when you look at our three pitchers, when they're on, when they're as good as they can possibly be, they're as good as anyone else in this league. And the best example of that this past week was Mason Montgomery, five innings, two hits in the yeah. entire in his entire outing, eleven strikeouts. Our <laughs> our guys, they're ready to roll and they're talented. I I would be sh- I would be surprised if they didn't make the college World Series. And on that, I kept kind of misspeaking earlier. I, I wasn't really sure how to form it, but what I meant by when I said they really didn't deserve it is I'm. This is the first time that Tech fans have thought they would be a lower seed than they were actually given. Like, we, yeah, we, we thought we thought we were going to be a 10 seed. And this is the first time I've ever seen a committee go where most even even most tech fans, even optimistic ones are like nine, 10 seed. 
and they go, no, you're a top eight. I mean, it's just the first time I felt like that. And that was kind of where I was getting at, not based on deserve or merit or anything like that. Just Well, uh, similar to, similar to the Aggies um, in terms of where you play matters. It just does. And Texas Tech was playing in a big 12 with two of the six best teams in the, in the league right now, uh, TCU and Texas. And even though only OSU besides those two teams and ourselves, only even though only Oklahoma State was the other team to make the playoff, there there's some good teams in this conference. Kansas State is not a bad team. Baylor is not a bad team. And uh, the the fact that we played these teams, we played Oklahoma four times as well. We the, us playing these teams, it matters. And uh, I think I think that was a big part of um where we finished up. Okay, so if I give you in the College World Series, Texas Tech over under two wins in the College World Series, what are you taking? Um, <laughs> that's a good one. I would take uh, the over. I, yeah, I would take I'll, the I'll over. I'll give you two and, and a half. So yeah. So yeah, I, I would take the over, and that's and that's the truth. I mean, I I believe in this team. I really do. I, they they're really talented. They're a good group of guys. I I believe in them, and you know we'll see. I also believe in them in the Big Twelve Championship, but whole different beast at the same time. Um, I think it's a good thing that a lot of the, that the teams we're going to face early in the college, people worried about uh, other big 12 teams slipping into our bracket. And we'll worry about that again. And if, and when we get to the world series, series. but it, I think it's a good thing that we haven't faced any of these teams in our regional bracket or that we'll face in the nine bracket because part, part of the reason that the baseball um, or the Big 12 championships is so scary is because these teams have seen you before. It's like playing a division, it's like in football, playing a division rival in the playoffs. It's scary. This team knows you as well as anybody else in this league. And, uh, but, but it's not going to be that. I mean, UCLA, UNC, Army, we haven't played them any of those teams once. And I don't believe we played anybody in the, yeah, we didn't play anybody in the Stanford bracket as well. So meaning this is going to be the, everybody's first look at each other. First and last look at each other. And when it, when it is like that, and it's just talent against talent, I'm picking Texas Tech in that race 10 out of 10 times. And I, I believe I texted you and asked you this. Is there anybody that we could see uh, coming back from injury that you would know uh, of or that they have said? I don't, I don't know that they've said anything, but. It's unlikely. If, yeah. if, if somebody is on the verge of coming back, then. I would, I would bet it'd be, I would bet it'd be like the Kurt Wilson thing, and we, he just trots out there, and it's the first time anyone's heard about it. I mean, even if, even if somebody is, it's not like Coach Tadlock would. I don't think Coach Tadlock would divulge that information heading into the playoffs, heading into a big playoff game. I think it, the element of surprise yeah. is something he'd much rather uh, keep to himself. So, what is our rotation going to look like coming in? Is it going to be Mo- uh, Montgomery starting game one? probably seen Monteverde too against um, more than likely UCLA. I think it's, I think at this point it's likely that it's the same as we saw in the big 12 championship. Yeah. Um, that being said, it could, it could be tweaked a little bit, but as it has all year for the most part, the, the, the players will remain the same, which is it'll be these three guys and some, some rotation. Micah Dallas won't be the first one. That's, that's pretty much the only constant. Yeah. And I was wondering, um, Hampton, did we did we see him at all in the Big Twelve tournament? I don't think we did. We saw him for a, uh, we saw him for I believe one inning in the last game. 
did he uh how how did he perform in that? I I wasn't quite sure. I just, we we got down by a little bit and I was out golfing, so I didn't get to uh watch uh, that yeah. game as much as I should have. I I'm for the most part I'm not a big um leaving when the team is down, but for this particular game, get it. It was ugly. It just was. <laughs> well, I well I was also out on the golf course here in Lubbock, so I wasn't fully yeah, watching I mean, the game. If I if I could have chose Rawls over getting beat by six <laughs> runs, <laughs> I would have done the same. But uh Hampton looked good. Uh two innings, one strikeout. Uh, I don't believe he allowed a base runner. Um at the same time the game was more or less over yeah. at that there, point. There, in time. there wasn't the, the competition pressure factor there. No, it was um, for the most it part. was not. Yeah. Um in that last game we saw everybody, it was kind of a get them get them some reps before yeah. we go into this into this playoff kind of thing. We saw Divine for three batters and I say batters because he um did not record an out in his appearance unfortunately uh yes. we saw Sublet for quite some time we saw Hampton of course in relief of um Sublet and then uh Gurdon and Queen 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 played a little bit in this in this I believe he I believe he pitched one full inning in game eight and then I I think he got the final out in game 10 which was TCU and Kansas by the way I say game eight and ten because that's how they were formed on the bracket. Yeah. But for Tech, it was two and three. So if we get to four games here in this series or in this regional, if we, if we end up playing at least four, do you expect to see Hampton? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, would... I, I, I said it, I said it uh, last, or I don't know if I said it, but I, it's, it's worth noting that he finished the year. He, he's been good lately. I mean, he had an excellent start to finish the year and he played well in relief a few days ago. He, yeah. and, Again, he's these these guys. They have confidence in themselves and each other. They they do, and they don't. I don't think this team feels the need to stretch out their guys like that. At least not in the first, in the, at least not in the regional bracket to to where they're gonna ha- ask Monteverde or Montgomery to pitch a game for a few days after pitching a game one. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see in these two round robin rounds with how well Hampton's played towards the end of the season, like you said if we don't wait to a game four to try and work him in, which I, I know you don't want to take that risk of losing your fourth starter before the fourth game, but he's been playing so well. I mean, it would suck not to see him for two full rounds of this playoff set. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually more intrigued as to whether we're, we'll see who we'll see out of the bullpen. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's no secret that this team has a shaky bullpen. I mean, that's a team that, that, that's a, that's an issue that most baseball teams and that goes for high school, college, and professional. Most high school teams have a shaky bullpen. That's just the truth. That's what everybody's looking for. And tech, it's going to be sublet, 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 sublet. Some, they better have ice for him every time he gets back to that. Sublet is going to be I, I fully expect sublet to be used like Andrew Miller was in the 2016 or, World uh, Series. Or Chapman as well. Or, or yeah, maybe, maybe that, but. This, he, it's just every day. To say he's our only reliable option, I genuinely believe is a bit of an understatement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you asked you asked me in the last podcast um, where we were more likely to see Kurt Wilson. Kurt, not only was Kurt Wilson coming out of the bullpen, I think he was the first Red Raider to come out of the bullpen when things got hairy. I mean, when we and that was that was a TCU game, which was not an elimination game. The first reliever out of the bullpen, it's Kurt Wilson, and people were shocked. And I was sitting there like, yeah, guys, I, I, again, 
if Coach Tadlock thinks that Kurt Wilson or any one of these relievers can get us two outs or out of an inning, he's going to take it. It's, it's, it reminds me of the, this is a very, very specific reference. Although if you're an Astros fan, you might get it. Game five of the 2017 World Series was a very famous game. Not as famous now because they were cheating, but at the time it was oh, a very famous Oh, I mean, game. cheating's a strong, I mean, a strong word. Hey, hey, that's, that's for a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but look, at the, that was the famous 13 to 12 10 inning game where Alex Redman walked off on Kelsey, Kelsey Jansen. Great game. I, um, but I remember thinking like, man, the Houston Astros are just begging anybody to get an out. I mean, that game was probably the most high-scoring playoff game I've ever seen. And probably the most high-scoring playoff game anybody's ever seen or anybody my age has ever seen. I mean, it was insane. But anybody who could get a couple of outs, no matter who it was, if they were a starter or a reliever or what, I remember at, uh, Chris – Chris Davinsky was coming in. He had been horrible lately. Oh, yeah. um, Ken Giles came in, and Ken Giles at that point in time was the human white flag. I mean, he was blowing safe left and right. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in Joe Musgrove for the ninth and tenth inning, I think, or maybe just the tenth inning. It, it was it was just whoever can get an out, and that's kind of how it feel or how it felt in the Big Twelve Championships. Whoever can give me an out, and if it's Divine, great. If it's um, Bridges, great. If it's Queen, great. Is whoever can get me an out. The problem is, none of these things are sure things. The only one that you could consider one is Sublette. Yeah, and do you, do you think if we get to a point where we're leading in game three by five or six runs, Mike Dallas is in, he's at 90 pitches. Do you, do you think we could see a point where maybe uh, they do bring in Hampton and try and get him some work, maybe give him three innings or so out of the pen? Or do you think that'd uh, think, be something that I he think would the, be totally off limits until game four? I think the context would matter. Um, I would I would say it's unlikely unless we were facing elimination, because at some at a certain point you get to that point. At a certain point you get to the mentality where we can save our guys for tomorrow, but if we lose today, there is no tomorrow. And you'd rather deal with those problems in the you rather have those problems in the future than not. Is is kind of the is kind of the thing, and that was kind of the mentality in the in the. Uh, that third game against Kansas state where they put out their two best foot yeah, out of the bullpen, they put in Hampton and Sublette because, Hey, I mean, either they're getting some reps in before the college playoff or they're saving the tournament. One of the two things are going to happen. Um, but as far as in the playoffs, I would say it's unlikely, but not impossible. And if it's, if we're facing elimination, certainly on the table. Yeah, and for, for my prediction here, I, I think we'll get we'll actually get through our round relatively easier than most of us think. I, I really would be surprised to see us drop a game in our regional, and then I I think we should we should be able to get past Stanford, and then I'll play some College um, World Series, and I think we'll get at least one there. I don't I don't know how much more, but I wonder how the pitching matchups will shake up because as I said, I'm a little bit more concerned about uh, Patrick Monteverde facing UCLA who, as we've already discussed, is a very talented team. But at this, I, 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 not, that, not that I would say they should stagger it so that he doesn't for sure, but I, I would be interested to see if they, if they shake it up as to avoid that matchup. I'd much, I'd much rather like the matchup of uh, Monteverde against, against uh, UCLA, but, you know, we'll see. Do you think we'll see UCLA's number, number one guy, or do you think they'll pitch him against UNC? 
I would imagine they pitched him against UNC. But yeah, that, I, uh, that, that's the real benefit being the host of these brackets mm-hmm. is that a lot of you times we're going to, we're going to start, we're going to start with our two or three guy and the other team is going to start with their one guy. So we won't see their, we, we won't see the second team's one guy. We'll see the, we'll see the worst team in the brackets one guy, but we probably won't see USC. Well, you know, I am interested. I am interested as to see who coach Tadlock, because as you said, we'll probably put our best foot forward in terms of starting game two. Yeah. I am interested to see who Coach Tadlock at this point in time believes is our number one starter because at this point, I think there's a pretty valid argument for all three. I mean, Montgomery is, is the go figure, I would, I would say. Um, but at the same time, there's a reason that Mikey Dallas was second, all, second team all Big 12. And yeah. Mason Montgomery is, my, you could argue, is our hottest pitcher. <laughs> I mean, after, he, after I played against Baylor. I mean, say say what you will about Baylor being shorthanded, but the the part of Baylor that was shorthanded was not their their lineup. It was yeah, their, it, it was, was the rotation. Pitching. Yep. They had and COVID this, outbreak the Baylor team had twenty six runs on us in three games uh, a month ago. All right, and do you have do you have anything else you want to add for the day? Uh, let me see. <laughs> I uh, I don't think so. I mean, what a, what national award list uh, watch list are we on? Are we in for a national player of the year? I'm pretty sure Jace Young's up there, but I mean it's going to be Jack Leader. So I'm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I, we have Ryan Sublet on the reliever award watch list. I believe we have Cal Conley on the shortstop of the year uh, watch list, and now, I think it's those. Two, I think Braxton Fulford is on is on the Buster Posey award watch list. For the, for the most the part, I mean, for almost every other sport, I'm not 100% sure about baseball, so I'm going to ask this question, but for almost every other pro sport and college sport, your regular season or your MVP award for your sport does not counter it or does not account for the postseason. Is that the same way here? That the decision's uh, basically already so. made? or um, I think the conference tournament numbers factor, I think, but uh, I, I would have to – I have to look more into it, but um, either way, I don't think Jason Young having a uh, a couple of bad games is gonna hurt his stock that much. I mean, he did, I don't think he got a hit this the entire Big Twelve Championships, and his batting average is still what three forty five, something like that. Oh, dude, I totally forgot. Jace Jace did not get on base that last game of the Big Twelve tournament, did he? Mm-hmm. He did not. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people um, – Jason Young's batting average is 342. So, yeah, it fell about 18 points. But, yeah, yeah, the streak was broken. I think That's, it was 50 games. Was yeah, it was every single game this season. Got on base. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, was, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Um, he was also on deck when the last out was made in, in game 51, I believe, which was unfortunate. But, um, you know, that's baseball. That's, that's life. You know, we'll see. Um. Another, another uh, couple of things in terms of the offense. As you said before, I am very intrigued as to see how Nate Romback factors into the lineup. Uh, when you have a guy like him batting 7, 8, 9, feel good. It's hard not to. You just do. It's One of the things about this lineup that I, I really love is that it's, it's a Billy Bean money ball team. And yeah. what I mean by that is guys who can get on base and guys who can take you deep are 1 through 9 with maybe one exception. And that's uh, barring game to game. I mean, um, somebody who 
I thought was going to be a much bigger contributor, but has kind of fallen to the wayside is Cody Masters. And he's a guy who we can, he, we could also throw in a list of guys who unfortunately probably underperformed given what we were expecting. At the same time, he's also a guy who got on base a shockingly large percentage of the time. Excluding Jace Jung, who's going to be our, uh, unless it's not Jace Jung, but I'm assuming you would have said Jace Jung, who's going to be our MVP of the postseason? Uh, I'm because of Jace, because Jace Young is too easy an answer for pretty much all of these questions. I'm going to give you three names of guys who I think could just as easily be Young, Drew Baker, who had four hits in the first game of the, of the college or the yeah, had, championships, he, he, by the way, three fourths of the way to the cycle in the first inning or the, I mean, yeah. first inning, third inning. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Young Baker and Braxton Fulford. Those are the three guys who I'm the most excited for. And uh, again, that doesn't mean I'm not confident in the abilities of Cal Conley, Ethan Morrell, Ron Beck, these other guys. It's just those are the three guys who, after watching this team for 50 games, who I feel the most confident in. All right, guys. Well, that was our baseball podcast for the day. Um, one thing I do remind you, we're recording this on Monday the 31st. Today is Memorial Day. Um, there's a reason we're able to record this podcast. There's a reason we're able to have college baseball. There's a reason we're able to have college sports. People protect the freedoms. People do give the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy every day, including the holiday we have this weekend. Um, one charity I want to kind of push or something y'all should reach out to look for is called Folds of Honor. Uh, I learned about this actually a few years of, at an Astros game. They had a, they were selling challenge coins for, for charity, and that had the Astros World Series logo on the back and the Folds of Honor logo on the other side. Basically, Folds of Honor, what they do is they are a scholarship foundation that provides scholarships to children of U.S. soldiers who made that ultimate sacrifice to protect the freedoms we have. So go give them a look. Go uh, look online. You can look it up. It's foldsofhonor.org. Great foundation, just one I want to push this week. And that's something I'm actually going to try and start doing is um, pushing a foundation organization, something something charitable each week. Uh, even if we don't have any money to um, donate as a show because we don't sell merch right now, um, it's something that I can give free shout outs for and try and do my part to help out a little bit. Other than that, we're looking forward to the College World Series. Um, we're hoping we can get a few wins in this regional. Me and Nico both are – under the assumption that if we were if if we were to bet, we would bet on us going to the College World Series. Outside of that, that's all we have for y'all today. We will be back if we advance to the next round. If we get to Super Regionals, me and Nico, of course, uh, or I hope Nico will be able to be back to join me to break down that matchup, whoever it may be. Um, and of course, after that point, if we make it to the College World Series, we will have live post game shows for you. I'm not sure who the guest will be. Uh, love to have Nico on. Anybody else who is knowledgeable in this field and is willing to come on that'd be great too but that's basically going to be what our podcast schedule looks like of course we got golf coming up today 4 to 8 p.m that'll be on the golf network you can go watch tech play uh they have to make up some ground here to advance to the next day i think right now they're sitting at 13 or 14 they need to break into that top eight to advance to match play which starts tomorrow uh we subbed out one of our golfers, I can't remember who we, who we threw in there, but we, we subbed out somebody. So we have a, a different five today or a different one of five today. Outside of that, be on the lookout for our track team as well. We had a few people do pretty well in the regionals. They're going to, I believe, go to nationals. Um, of course, 
follow Guns Up Nation. Follow Nico Sanchez DT on Twitter, right? Is that is that it? That is correct, yes. Yeah, Nico Sanchez DT on Twitter. Keith Donaghy on Twitter. Guns Up Nation, Guns Up Voice. And, of course, all the members of our podcast network. That'll help keep you up to date in this time where there's so much postseason success going on for the Red Raiders, along with recruiting information and stuff like that on the basketball side. Um, that would be Talk and Tech, Tortillas and Takes, and, of course, the Ramblin' Raiders. Other than that, that's all I have for everybody today. Y'all have a great day, and remember, wreck them. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the podcast hosts and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. Visit our website at GunsUpNation.com for more Texas Tech news. Thanks again, and Guns Up.